are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Friday, final show of the week. We got a fun one. We did our Locked On NBA mock draft. You've heard me promote it all week long. Well, the third episode is up, which means we're getting to the 13th pick, which means it's the Pelicans pick. So we're going to look at this mock draft. I'm going to talk about some of the different situations that went on and trades that happened in it. I'm going to tell you who I came close to choosing and why. And then I'm going to tell you who I picked. And then we're going to spend the third segment looking at that prospect. So let's dive into it all into the mock draft in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right. So every year we do this mock draft. And frankly, this is one of my favorite things about the Locked On Podcast Network and probably my favorite thing that we do since, as I've mentioned, you have a host of every show that knows their team inside and out, their biggest needs, all of that stuff. And they can accurately make a prediction based on what the team is going to probably do somewhat in the NBA draft to a degree, I think. And you get national writers doing mock drafts, but it's not the same. They don't have the same kind of attention to detail around every single team in the league. They might have a high-level idea of what's going on, but it's not the same as kind of almost being like a beat writer and covering a team on a daily basis. I think there is an advantage in that. Local experts is what we say, and it's true. They are. Whenever I need to know information about a team, I go to their Locked On podcast and listen to it. Or talk to them on Twitter because they're all pretty great guys. So I think it's a good tool to try and do something like this to try and get an idea of what these teams are. So I always think this is a fairly accurate representation of what might happen. Assuming the the front offices of teams aren't morons. The Knicks and Nets have done some uh, interesting things in the past and other teams have made interesting choices. And yeah, you can't kind of uh, predict that level of stupidity, I guess. But this is one of my favorite things. There's going to be five episodes total of it. We're on the third episode today. So it's six picks per day, meaning the Pelicans are up at 13. So in the in these type of mock draft scenarios where you have one person for each team, I always think they get a little crazy and off the wall. And you see it at trade deadline pieces too, where one person's in charge of every team and you can go and make trades and you reshape the league. And that's literally how like half the league or more gets traded. And it makes no sense. And it's not anywhere close to what the reality is going to be. So I tend to think people go overboard with trades and different things like that versus what actually happens. This wasn't too bad. There weren't really many trades. There were two trades in this mock draft. The first one comes from Boston. They moved up to eight from 14, 26, and 30. Boston has three first-round picks. This is why they're in the running now, it sounds like, for Drew Holiday. We'll get to that stuff on Monday. But they want to trade up. They don't want to carry three first-round picks on the roster next season. They're looking to move up. This is a problem because for New Orleans because I was trying to move up using three second-round picks plus the 13th pick. And as the draft went on, you had LaMelo Ball go one, Anthony Edwards two, Akongwu went three, Killian Hayes went four, which was a bit of a surprise. Isaac And, and I was looking to maybe trade up for Killian Hayes. Isaac Okoro, five, Devin Vassell, six, James Wiseman, seven. At seven, I reached out to Detroit and said, would you take 13, 39, 42, and 60? If you want 60, or I'll just keep it. It doesn't matter. And they said no, because the Celtics had offered 14, 26, 30. It's just 
better than 13, 39, and 42. You can get 26 and 30. They said no and decided to take James Wiseman there. Boston moved up to eight, though, with the New York Knicks. The Knicks, I could see wanting to trade back in this draft. They do not want to trade future first-round picks. I'll explain why in a second. But they are maybe looking to move back and adding some more young talent that aren't power forwards to the roster. So New York trades down. They get three first-round picks. The Celtics move up. Guess what? They take a guard. Tyrese Halliburton guy. I'd been talking about the past couple of days that I could see being on the Pelicans' radar. So that kind of took him off the board. And basically once that went done, that Halliburton and Hayes were off the board, I wasn't actively looking to try and trade up nearly as much. Washington took Obi Topping at nine. I did at least reach out, but didn't hear back from them. And then Phoenix, in what's a bit of a surprise, was Denny Avija is has fallen in this draft, which I don't think will happen in real life. I can see Wiseman slipping to seven, six, eight, somewhere in that range. I don't think he would. Um, and the Phoenix Suns took him there. At 11, San Antonio took Patrick Williams which I think is a good pick and a guy that might go even higher as he's been kind of rocketing up draft boards. This guy who has an incredibly high ceiling, a lot of positional versatility, a guy I like a lot that I don't think will be there at 11 or 11 or 13 at 12 Sacramento took Aaron Naismith, the very good small forward um, shooter, three point shooter, the best in this draft, probably in terms of percentage at 12. And that left me the Pelicans on the clock at 13. There's a number of directions to go with this, and I think the Pelicans are going to be looking at a number of these players right in the face when it comes to this spot here and would not be shocked if some of the names I'm going to throw out to you all are going to end up being one of the uh, the Pelicans' selection. That's, I feel pretty confident in that, I think. So we'll get into that in the next segment. Who did I consider taking? Why? And then why not? And there are some reasons for it here, and I will get into that in the next segment of today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. You guys hear me talk about it all the time. It's because I eat one of these things every single day, and that's because they're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-in-protein, high-in-fiber protein bars that taste awesome. Like I was genuinely shocked the first time I ate one of these things and I it, it tastes like a candy bar like that's really the most apt comparison and way to describe it. You've never had a protein bar like this before. Protein bars normally chalky, dry, you need to chug a bottle of water or something like that when you eat one of these. You eat them basically not because they're enjoyable because it's kind of what you need. Well, Built Bar, it's still going to give you everything you need, but it's actually going to be enjoyable. They've got delicious flavors like salted caramel, toffee, almond, lemon almond, cheesecake, cookies, and cream. I could go on and on and on. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Some have 19 grams of protein and 180 calories, or 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. So you're not just blowing all that cardio that you just did when you have one of these things. Give them a try. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. Off your next order that's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com don't forget subscribe to locked on pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here monday through friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about the team the draft free agency all of that and guess what on draft night gonna be live on youtube probably about 
10 minutes before it or so it starts, we'll go live. We'll go through at least the Pelicans pick. I might need to pop off at one point to do a locked on live hit for everything, but we'll have some fun as we watch the draft together and all just kind of hang out. I think it's going to be a really good time. So make sure um, you subscribe to the YouTube channel that I've got set up for this. I will put the link on Twitter later today when you listen to this, hopefully, so that you can be there and follow it. We did it for the lottery and it was fun, so we may as well do it for the draft. So there you go. All right, so back to the mock draft, though, with the uh, Locked On Podcast Network, what we were doing. Pelicans up at 13. Who did I end up choosing? We'll get to in a minute. But who didn't I choose and why? And there's a number of guys that I like. I, I don't like this draft overall a ton. And I don't think the guys here at 13 have the highest of ceilings. But I do think that some of these guys do have some nice uh ability to them i think and so i think you can get a decent enough player here uh even if it's not like the most exciting type of guy it'll be just like a solid nba player which at 13 is not a bad thing if you can pick up your fifth starter at 13 in this draft that should be considered a win so there's a number of needs i do think the pelicans have there is need for help on the wing Obviously, anytime you can get more 3 and D guys and shooters on the wing, always going to be a good thing. I also think they maybe need a little bit more aggression in the backcourt. We've seen some very real limitations with Lonzo Ball. They're not going to play as fast as they did this past season. So if you're going to be playing in the half court more, you need to have the players that can actually do that. If Drew Holiday's on the move, it makes it a little bit harder to do all of that too. So guard position is a really interesting spot for New Orleans. And at this spot, there are some guys that have a lot of aggression. You also could use a big that shoots threes really well. And Jalen Smith is the guy right there with that. If you're going to go big at 13 and Jalen Smith's available, like it, it's, it's a perfect fit for what you want. He should fit very well next to Zion. I don't think he will be a good defender necessarily in the NBA. But again, I'm not looking to get all-star level players right now at, at the, at the, with the 13th pick in this draft. So the guards, I ended up passing on both Kyra Lewis Jr. out of Alabama and Tyrese Maxey out of um, Kentucky. Kyra Lewis Jr., I really, really considered. Really, really considered. I considered both him and Maxey for a while. I like both of them. Kyra Lewis Jr. is definitely a creator. He can drive and attack and kick it out and dish that way. And that fits a lot of what New Orleans needs. His shot should be good enough, too. And I think he's going to end up projecting to have a pretty good NBA three-point stroke. That's not a bad thing at all, right? The fact that he's aggressive, he can get to the line at a pretty decent clip, too. All of that's really good. Same for Tyrese Maxey. I, I tend to also give Kentucky players a little bit of a benefit of the doubt, right? Like, you kind of have to at this point with the success that they have in the NBA. I think he'll be a worse three-point shooter than Kyra Lewis Jr. would be, but I do think he's a better passer and a better creator overall and could be maybe a pretty good NBA like backup point guard, someone like that to kind of soak up some minutes. All of that's important. That's a need for New Orleans. When I say all this, you guys are kind of excited. But I also think they have that on the roster to a degree. I think it's Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And while, yes, either of those two guys could fit in a future backcourt with Nikhil. I don't know if that's what the Pelicans want to go with right now. You know, there's always the argument of fit over best player available. I do think that a lot of these guys are 
pretty much equal, and I don't know if I really have one rated that much higher than the other. And the fact that the Pelicans want to win now, I do think is something that it's going to kind of keep in mind and help with this pick. If it's a guy that's going to come into his own in three or four years, that's fine. But if you can get a guy who can contribute a little bit earlier and you're trying to gun for the playoffs right now, that might be a little bit of a difference maker. And so for that reason, I ended up passing on Kyra Lewis Jr. and Tyrese Maxey in this one. Same for Jalen Smith. I I like him enough, but I'm not going to just fall in love with a big that shoots threes because it's a big that shoots threes. There's Nicolo Melli out here that does that and passes better than Jalen Smith does, I think. So... I don't know if if you need to kind of go after a guy that you're you don't really like a lot of what he does just because he shoots threes. Though I do like Jalen Smith overall. So I did end up getting a trade offer here from the Knicks, who are now at 14 right behind me and wanting to offer an additional first round, or they wanted to give me like the 31st pick in the draft or something like that. And I said no because I just don't want more picks in this draft. Same for the uh, Mavs, they wanted to move up to 13. They very much wanted a specific guy who was on the board. And I ended up disappointing the Knicks, or not the Knicks, the, the Mavs, because I did select the guy they wanted, and it was Sadiq Bey. That is who I took in our original mock draft that we did. And I ended up sticking with him here. But it wasn't uh, clear cut. It was pretty close between Kyra Lewis Jr., Tyrese Maxey, and Sadiq Bey. But Bey is the guy that I ended up going with. At 13, the Mavs uh, hosts are kind of mad at me over this right now. And I'll explain why coming up here in the next segment. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I told you who I passed on. Kyra Lewis Jr. out of Alabama, Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky, Jalen Smith out of Maryland, and I ended up with Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. This is a guy that I'm obviously pretty high on. I took him in our original mock draft, and then in like our official mock draft where we make the picks and we do the shows and everything about it, I ended up selecting him again. I just think there's a, a lot to like from him and everything he gives you. He is... Definitely a guy who can be a rotation player basically from the moment he steps into the NBA. There's a lot of positional versatility there with him too, which I think is valuable to New Orleans. And basically, they don't really have much wing depth behind Brandon Ingram. Josh Hart to a degree, but more Josh Harts are always going to be a good thing. This is a guy who can step in and basically replace Kenrich Williams in the rotation in the roster and probably be that idealized version of Kenrich Williams that you wanted Kenrich to be that he never lived up to. Sadiq Bey can be that guy. And that, I think, is a very valuable player. He's a sophomore out of Villanova, 6'8", with pretty good size. I do think that Villanova players have done well in the NBA, too. I mean, look at Josh Hart. That it's kind of like uh, similar to Kentucky. You tend to give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of how they're going to project at the NBA level. So Sadiq Bays, who I picked, you know, it's he's going to go somewhere in that 12 to 20 range. And at that point, I think all these guys are a little bit similar. He's a low usage offensive player that works well without the ball. He moves pretty well and can work as a catch and shoot guy, which is all you're really looking for. You've got Brandon Ingram on the team. You've got... Um, uh, Zion Williamson, there we go, on the team. You're going to see more minutes go to some of the younger guys like Jackson Hayes, like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Lonzo Ball hopefully can step up and be a more complete player. You may or may not have Drew Holiday on the team too. There's still a lot of guys that need the ball in their hands and usage rate to go around. You don't need it with this pick. And so I think that 
is a big part of the draw for me in him that he will be able to contribute offensively and he doesn't have to get the ball and do all of that stuff. The positional versatility is big too because I think he's a pretty decent rebounder um, for everything. And you know what? I also think he can play the four when you want to run Zion Williamson at the five. So it does kind of give you that stretch big. There might be some rebounding issues overall there, but I think it will be okay. So the fact that he works so well off ball is a very big thing for me. He's going to have a very good NBA three-point shot. Out of all three of the guys that we've mentioned, other than Jalen Smith, I think he's going to end up having the highest three-point percentage early on in his career, and it should work. He's not aggressive with the ball, but I don't need that out of a, some small forward depth, some wing depth that the Pelicans have here. He's a guy that you can park on the corner, can shoot some threes, make those threes for you, and then provide pretty solid defense on the wing. Defensive issues are a big problem for New Orleans. If they want to get better this season, they need to get better defensively first and foremost. Kyra Lewis Jr. and Tyrese Maxey, Jalen Smith, none of those guys are going to give that to you this year. So the fact that they are in win-now mode kind of influences this pick a little bit as well. And again, the Villanova thing I think is a very important thing, and I trust those guys a good bit. Now, because he's not aggressive doesn't mean that he he's kind of a hole offensively. If he's not shooting threes, he can still pass the ball and facilitate just enough that I don't think it's going to make him kind of a dead zone on offense. I like him a lot, and I think he's a guy that's going to be able to contribute, and I think he's a guy that could be a fourth or fifth starter in the NBA long term. I feel that comfortable about him going into this draft. So he's the guy that I'm looking at the most. I like him more than I like Naismith, even though Naismith's shooting is a little bit flashier. I do think Bay is going to end up um, being the overall better player that is more versatile, that gives you defense too, and I think all of that's important here. But I definitely see the need for a guard. And it came out yesterday that Tyrese Maxey did work out for the Pelicans, one of the only guy, uh, one of the only teams that he did a one-on-one workout for. So it's worth kind of keeping an eye of what the Pelicans might be looking at. But of course, you've got to do as much due diligence as possible. But Sadiq Bey is who I ended up choosing at 13. So given the way the draft has gone, who would you have drafted there? Would it have been Kyra Lewis Jr.? Would it have been Maxey? Would it have been Bay? Would it have been Jalen Smith? Is there someone I'm not thinking of that you really like in that spot? Let me know on Twitter at Nola Jake. Um, and I'm going to tweet out all of this stuff today too. So that's going to do it for today's show. So that's how the draft went with our mock draft. That's who I was considering and why I didn't take him. And then Sadiq Bay. That's why I chose him at 13 overall for your New Orleans Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all on Mondays. We gear up for draft week. Second round picks we got to talk about next week too. <laughs>